welcome to the first ever edition of the LFC Red Poets podcast. This is a podcast from Reds who've been following Liverpool since the days of Bill Shankly right through to Jurgen Klopp. And I hope it will be enjoyed by Reds of all ages. Tonight, I'm your presenter, your host, it's Les Lawson, and I'm joined by Tommy Keegan and Pete Warburton. So welcome, lads. Um, first Thanks. of all, I'll ask... You, Tom, how did you enjoy the international break? Um, mixed, really, Les. I didn't really watch. I didn't really watch the. I watched the, the the second game. I watched a little bit about the second game. So have a look at Bellingham more or less. And you know, like I wasn't really, I wasn't really that interested. Interested in that England won, and I think the, the results against Italy was a was a bigger shock than I anticipated. But um, overall, I. I think it's. Um, I was glad for for it to be Liverpool going back to Liverpool this weekend. To be honest, what about yourself? What about you, Pete? Uh, probably even less so than Tom. To be honest, I don't. I didn't watch either of the England games. Um, <clears throat> I have seen the goals from the um, the second game at Wembley. I've seen those goals, but I, I don't particularly like watching internationals. And the only thing that I worry about or look at is let's hope all our players come back hail and hearty, you know, because you've got Mo playing out in Africa and you've got, obviously, the South American contingent. And I just I just look forward, if that's the right term, to international breaks with trepidation, to be honest. I, I, I just worry that, you know, from days gone by when John Barnes got injured and, and Jamie Redknapp on England GC, I, I, just, I just look through. <clears throat> I, look, I just look through the match reports and just hope that none of our players have suffered, you know. Yeah, I'm a little bit the same, Pete. I hardly watched any of the internationals over the last sort of week or so. Um, I watched I watched a little bit of the England game, the second one, but it wasn't a great game. It was a good goal score by Saka. Uh, but all in all, international football, especially qualifiers, it's a farce, really, because you really know which teams are going to qualify. I mean, Spain and Scotland probably... You know, argues that point away from me because nobody expected Scotland to beat Spain. But overall, I thought it was, uh, I'm just glad it's over. And the only little thing I've heard is that maybe Costas took a little bit of a knock and mm-hmm. had to come off early in his, in his game. But whether that'll, uh, you know, put his participation against Manchester City at the weekend at risk, I suppose we'll have to wait to Jürgen's press conference on Friday. But the yeah. good thing, this time that none of our Brazilians went away, so Alisson wasn't in the the Brazil squad, so we could have a bit of a rest and recharge his battery. So, so should Fabinho, and hopefully he will come back and start to show some consistency, consistency, and a decent level of performance that we know he's capable of. So now we'll move on to preview the Manchester City game, and I'll come to you first this time, Pete, and just say that you know, good news that. Luis Diaz and, and is back in training with the team and, and Darwin Nunes has also seen to have uh, recovered from the injury he picked up you know, before the international break to stop him going away with Uruguay. So just your thoughts on you know, what team you'd expect to see starting and how much is it a blow that you know, Thiago isn't yet back in training following the, the injury to Pesetic? Yeah. I mean, it's a strange one, this, class. I mean, the last... How many years? Four or five years. Every time we played City, 
you, by this, you know, three, four days before the match, your stomach's going, you're thinking, oh, this is a big game. And because of our league position, don't get me wrong, we need the points to, to get top four, but we've always been fighting hammer and tongue with Sissy for everything, you know, for the league, cup games, you know, we've been in cup finals, cup semi-finals. <clears throat> so it's a little bit of a strange one in the fact that I'm, I'm not saying I'm not excited by it, but not not to the levels that we've had over the last four or five years where they've been, you know, so much on the game. Um, yeah, it's nice to see it's nice to see um, Luis Diaz back. He could be our talisman up to the end of the season if he stays fit, hopefully. I, I can't see him starting on Saturday. I, I do think he might make the bench. I, I don't know if... It all depends how his training goes, but there's, there's that old saying, isn't there? You can be fit and then you've got to be match fit. So I can see him maybe as an impact player on the bench for the next couple of games, to be honest. Um, yeah, it's a blow with Thiago out, especially with um, with Stefan being out for the rest of the season. So it's going to be interesting to see. The formation will remain the same. It will be 4-3-3, but it will be interesting to see the personnel that um, that Jürgen picks on Saturday morning, to be honest. Tom, what's your views? Very much similar to Peter, really. I, I think I'm glad the players got a rest less. I think the, the, the lads who didn't have to go to Brazil, I think that that's good. I think because... They'd had, they'd had a lot of games, hadn't they? And they'd be playing a lot of football. They looked a bit jaded, Liverpool. And I think the rest will have done them good. I think the rest will have done Jürgen good as well. You know, he took a little bit of time away. So I think that's that's a good thing. Players coming players coming back and made up the Azers coming back. I agree with Pete. I'd be surprised if he if he plays him from the start. I'd be be a major shock that after he's been out as long as he has. I think you'll probably see him probably 15, 20 minutes, but 15, 20 minutes will be good for him, I think. Darwin Nunes, um, I think, I think with, with Steph, Stefan being out and Thiago being out, I think, you know, I don't, I, I think looking at the Man City game, it's a funny game. You usually go them, them games with trepidation, don't you? Because there's so much riding on them. You know, and Manchester City have been a bit hit and miss this season. They've been, you know, sometimes they've been sensational and other times they've been, you know, not that not that good. And they've got a few injuries themselves. So I, I look at, I, I don't know whether Jürgen will go and do something, you know, completely unexpected. Like, like I think what he did against Madrid, where he, he went with, you know, like four, with the four forwards. It wouldn't surprise me to see him change and do something like that, you know, with one dropping a bit deep and playing the three up front. But it, I don't. It's it's one of them games, isn't it? You you look. It, we all know where 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 the problems lies. I think that the, the defence will take care of itself. I think Canate will play. I think Van Dijk will play. I think Robbo and Trent will play. It's and I think. I think he'll go with Gap with Salah with 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 Gakko, and I think he'll go with with um, the uh, with Nunes. But it's what he does. Whether you throw Jotter in as a surprise, you know what I mean, and then drop Gakko as the false false nine midfield. I think I'd probably go with 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 if he does a two, I'll go with Henderson and Henderson and and Fabinho and see if we can do something like that. But 
like Pete says, you, you don't really know. He's probably going to go with his trusted 4-3-3. Tom, do you think that there's a possibility that he could start Bobby? Um, because Bobby will sort of drop deep and, and perhaps get around Rodri a little bit. So, and with Gakpo being away with Holland and having that stomach bug, that that could then sort of, um, you know, put that in Jürgen's mind, that Gakpo's being away, he could have to come back and then go again. And the Bobby's experience of playing in those games, plus he's had a little bit of time off, maybe done a little bit of extra training, could put him in the frame, you know, to start, you know, this weekend. You know, because... One thing Jürgen says is that Bobby will get round their, their six, if you like, and sort of try and disrupt him a little bit, which will then give Liverpool, you know, maybe a foothold in the game. And then if he does that, it'll then be interesting if he does start down the left, whether it be a Jota or possibly Darwin Nunes. But the other thing just to, just to come back with is that I don't think we can expect too much too soon from Louis because, you know, he has been out now for about five months. You know, and as Pete said before, you know, there's a difference between fit and being match fit. And sometimes yeah. supporters, when they hear that a player is now fit and available for selection again, in their heads, they see him playing at his best as he is when he's at peak fitness. And it doesn't always work like that. It can take them maybe two, two, three, four weeks sometimes to get that level back. In the situation that Liverpool are in, we could do with with uh, with Louis hitting the ground running really, and being the exception to the rule. But I suppose you know the proof of the pudding will be in the eating, so to speak. So, what's your views on the Bobby situation, Tom? Yeah, that's a great point, that Les. I think Bobby is a is a clever, clever footballer. He might have lost a little bit this 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 season, but he's a clever footballer. He knows the football field really well. He gets around the football field really well. So it wouldn't surprise me to play. I, I totally agree about Gapko. I never really thought he was out, was he, with a, with a bug. But Jürgen will probably assess that. But I think Bobby might start. Nothing would, nothing would really shock me, Les, in this. And it's, it, it, it's a game, isn't it? Manchester City seems to bring out the best in Liverpool. I don't know. And especially this season, we've got a... You know, as bad as we've been, we've got a good record against them. We we chunked them in in, in the in, in the charity shield. We 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 well deserve to beat them at Anfield. You know, like so, and we were really unlucky in the three-two game. You know, in in the FA Cup. So I don't like the League Cup. So I think you know, I, 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 nothing would surprise me. But Bobby would be a good call. I wouldn't be disappointed with that, Les. Pete, what do you reckon on the Bobby situation? And also, just your thoughts on if Jürgen does decide to stick with his 4-3-3 and we assume that Henderson and Fabinho will both start, do you think after scoring for the England under-21s and playing his part in two of the England under-21 games, that Curtis Jones could force his way into the starting eleven? Do you think Harvey Elliott will keep his place? Or do you think... James Milner could come into consideration as well for that third spot in the midfield, or even a Cavalio. Yeah, I think. Um, I think to be honest, at the end of the day, it would be how pragmatic Jurgen Klopp wants to be, and if that's the case, he may well shoehorn James Milner into the midfield. But if if you play the other two that you've mentioned, Henderson, 
<clears throat> and Fab, really, you're looking at three probably defensive players there. You, I know if the other two, if Henderson could get a bit more license to go forward, I think he'll probably start with um, Young Elias because he's, I think he's featured in more or less every game this season, whether it be starting or on the bench. And I think he'll start with Elias. Um, I'm not too sure if if Curtis has done enough. I know he scored and an and assist for the England um, the England game. I just think he'll he'll be on the bench to be honest. The other train of thought is he could he could although I don't see it from the start of the game, but he, he could go a little bit like he did when he dropped Gakpo into midfield, was it at Madrid when he, he made the substitutions? It depends how the game's going. I think it'll be a bit more pragmatic, yeah. And I think the first thing will be to quiet, quieten down the city attack because they will go for it. It's just in it's it's in both clubs' DNA to you know to go almost like a, a basketball match at times when we play city. And he maybe want to be maybe Jurgen will be a little bit more circumspect and say right, let's let's get a grip of the game without going too gung ho. And then maybe introduce some flair players from the bench later on. Pete, do you think that it would be a bit of a risk starting Harvey down the down the right hand side with Trent up against you know the likes of possibly uh, Jack Grealish and Gundogan? Like I say, it's it's just in the DNA of both managers. That's how they play. <clears throat> I don't I don't think. You've got to you've you've got to look at the opposition and say yeah you know they are such a good side you've got to give them respect but at the same token you know we we can we can hurt them as much as they can hurt us and I think if you just go too defensive in that middle or you know the midfield I think you're just allowing City to come onto you and then if they got a goal ahead and you're chasing the game I, I would prefer it if if we had at least someone from the midfield with. I know he doesn't make lung-busting runs, Harvey Elias, but he's a clever little player and he can see things ahead of him. And I just wonder if that's how he'll start. Um, Do you I think, think he's enough defensively, though, sorry, Pete, you know, to, to sort of help Trent to sort of shackle you know, Grealish and probably Gundogan down that side? Is that is that something you would look at or would you sort of go I think to the view? Let them worry about us, so to speak. Well, that's what I was going to say. I think, I think to be honest, I'd go by fire with fire. I mean, look what we did in the semi-final at Wembley when we blew them away in that first half. You know, you can go into some games and think, oh, you know, they've got this player, they've got that player. We need to keep them quiet. I mean, even the Real Madrid game at home, we should have been four up before they scored. If we can get a really good start and a fast start, the only thing, thing that worries me is the 12-30 kickoff. I hate the only game. But um, if we can do that, if we can we can start on the front foot against City and fight fire with fire, um, I think I think there's a I think there's a good result for us there on Saturday, and I just don't want us to be sitting back, inviting City onto us because we all know what Harlan could do in the blink of an eye if you let him. He's the one you've got to shackle, and if we take the game to City more, let them worry about us for us, you know, for the first portion of the game. Yeah, I mean, the thing with Haaland is he's had an injury scare. He probably will, you know, be fully fit by the time the old 12.30 yeah. on Saturday comes. But Phil Foden is out for them. So mm-hmm. that'll be, you know, that'll be a blow to them. You know, so that leaves them with with Mares, doesn't it? Uh, Haaland, Alvarez, 
Grealish really is the as the front players. And it'll be interesting if the, if there is a doubt about Haaland, Tom. What do you think? Do you think Pep would risk him, seeing that they've got you know a Champions League game coming up against against Bayern Munich in in ten days' time? You know, because if you risk somebody who's got a groin strain and they aggravate that, you know, then that can put them out for three or four weeks. So does he look? Does he look at the at the game on Saturday singularly, or does he look at the bigger picture and think, you know, something? I'm not going to risk him because the risk could be too, too great. You don't know it with Pep, do you, Les? You know, sometimes you you, you hear that a player's a player's out injured and then he they turn up and and you 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 know like that. The, there's always a doubt about one of the players, but they always seem to be fit. If, if he has got a groin strain, which I, I I didn't hear that that he he was struggling. If he has, then that's a risky. That's a risk. But do you look at that with it? This would be would it be a risk we're taking because they got Bayern Munich, I think, haven't they in the in the Champions League? But they've got but the the five points behind, haven't they? So they've got to beat Liverpool. That's the way he'll be looking at it because he won't want to he won't want to drop points to us. So. He might do you know what he might even throw him on the bench and go with five. Remember how he played with one forward and he played with his five midfield? You know, he might he might go back to that system, you know, with throw Alves Alvarez up front and then do that. You don't know with Pep. I think do you know what he does, Les? I think I think he's got this fear of Jurgen Klopp and Liverpool Football Club. He seems to where other where other managers Jürgen seems to get under, I don't think he gets under his skin, but what he does, he has the utmost respect for him, doesn't he? And sometimes he shows Liverpool, I think he's always a bit, slightly a bit cautious, but usually at the Etihad, they usually go for Liverpool. So I think I think what Peter said before was a good point. I think we, we might need a fast start, whether Haaland plays... I'd be, I would imagine, like, if he's got a growing strain, it'd be 50-50, wouldn't it? I'd be happy if he didn't play. But personally, I think they're a good side, whoever we're going to be up against. What about Pete, you? Pete, do you think that, that Manchester City are in a little bit of a, a rebuild cycle themselves? I know that, you know, you look at it and you think, well, you know, they've got, They've got to the semi-final of the FA Cup, the second in the league, and probably, in most people's eyes, they'd still be favourites to win the Premier League. Um, and also, you know, they're, they're in the quarterfinals of the Champions League. But they don't seem to be the City of previous seasons this season. And when you look through the squad, they've got a lot of players who, who are coming, similar to Liverpool, really, who are mm-hmm. coming to the end of their their cycle at Manchester City, you know, age-wise. And it'll be interesting to see what does happen with them. So, you know, similar to Liverpool last season, we were going for the the four trophies last season and nobody could have seen the drop-off that we've had this season. So even though City are sort of well-placed to win three trophies, if you like, what's your view on the on the possible you know, rebuilding that needs to be done there? I'm sure. I'm sure that they're looking forward to that because I think Gundogan's more or less going. I think, isn't he? There's there's whispers about Bernardo Silva possibly 
wanting to go to Barcelona, but I think Barcelona have got their own problems to contend with, to be honest. Um, so yeah, in a similar in a similar position to us, but the way that the they will spend and they have spent money in the past, their their second tier, if you will, their second eleven is far and away better than probably anyone else in, in the Premier League. Um, you know, when you've got like Grealish, I mean Mares, I think Mares is having a really good season for them this season. That goal he scored against us in the in the League Cup where he just controlled it and, and shot and passed it into the corner just after half time. Um but I'm sure I mean I'm not too sure how, how old Rodri is and how old the centre backs are, Ake and um the Spanish lad who plays there. So they could be in that position, but it's it's whether Man City address it a little bit earlier than possibly Liverpool have and they try and introduce, you know, some some players. I'm sure they'll spend money again in the summer. Uh if everything's you know, if they are allowed to. So yeah, but I think yeah, it's just you know, I, I, I was surprised actually when Gundogan went there, but he's he's proved such a good player for them. You know, the, he he is such a good coach. He is a good coach, Pep, regardless of what you think. He does, you know, he has this tight uh, this thing that he buys titles. Every club he's been to has he spent money and been allowed to spend money, but he certainly knows how to coach them into it, how to play, you know, the way he wants them to play. So yeah, there's there's a, an argument there that there's a few old a few old legs running around. In the city squad, and come the end of the season, it'll be interesting to see who, who goes out the door. To be honest, Tom, you know, going on from what Pete said there, you've got Cancelo who's being sent out on loan to Bayern Munich. I believe Laporte wants uh, wants to leave and go back to Spain. You've got Bernardo Silva who's unhappy. You've got Gundogan whose contract is coming to an end. Kyle Walker is now thirty two. Mares is 31 going on 32. So it does seem to be like a fair bit of rebuilding that needs to be done there. You know, they've signed Calvin Phillips, who, who, who hasn't been a resounding success so far. They spent 50 million on him. You know, the, Jack Grealish is playing more this season than he did last season. But I don't think he's, he's, he's as good for them at the minute as what Raheem Sterling was, so to speak. You know, I know Foden's out at the minute, but he seems to want to now play more as a midfield player than a forward. There's rumours that um, the Haaland is only going to be there for a couple of seasons before he, he wants to pop off to Real Madrid. So you just you just look at City and you just think, it'll be interesting to see the players who they go for you know, as part of the rebuild, I'm sure, you know, Jude Bellingham will be one of them that they will try to bring in. And that will all depend, I think, on Jude himself, where he wants to go. But what do you think about the bigger picture at Manchester City with the players that have just gone through? Who are, you know, with all due respect, I think, coming to the end of what has been a fantastic cycle and, you know, some fantastic team performance that you've seen from Manchester City. You know, and we know you know, that they've been charged with all these offences, but taking that out of the equation and you just look at them as a football team, you can't argue with some of the football they've played over the past four or five seasons. And it will be it will be a big job to replace those players, you think, Tom? 
Oh God, yeah, Les. Yeah, I think the the list, the likes of Gundogan. I think it was was it last season. He was what he scored something like about eighteen goals, didn't he? I think he was he was one of the main goal scorers. I think he's going to be a big he's going to be a big thing. One place player to replace as Mars. He said Mars thirty one. How old's De Bruyne? I think Kevin De Bruyne must be in his early thirties. So, you know, he, once they start getting to 31, 32, they lose a little bit of something, don't they, you know? So, yeah, I think I think Bernardo, Bernardo Silva is a, is a funny one because I think he wanted to go last year, didn't he? Whether they've said you can go next year, I, I, I'm not so sure, but would Pep, be, would Pep let his six or seven of them go or would he, you know, would he... Would he would he start to rebuild slowly and trying to keep you know you no know, like to keep all the certain players? I think you know what you you surprised and what you said before. I think Kyle Walker Walker could be a player that he lets go this season because I'm of, not, just to cut in there. I'm not saying he will let them go, and I'm not saying all those players that are mentioned will leave Manchester no. this summer. What I'm saying is, if you look at the age demographic of them, and as you yeah. said, you know I missed out Kevin De Bruyne there. But yeah. if you look at that, you're looking at some really pivotal players from Manchester City who they could have to replace in, in the next one, one or two seasons. They've got to replace them, Les. They've got to replace them, haven't they? Yeah, but some of them are also picking up injuries from time to time and the contracts are running down. And a lot of players nowadays are sort of thinking, well, you know something, I'm going to let my contract run down so I can decide where I want to go next. And not be dictated to by the football club. And that's what I'm looking at. I'm looking at that with Manchester City. And I'm thinking to myself, you know, over the next couple of seasons, they have got a bit of a rebuild to do there. Um, and I just wondered what you what your views were of that. I'm not just saying they will all go in one go, because that would be silly, because there will be a crossover period where they will lose some and some will stay and then go the following season. But I think that cycle is slowly coming to the end. It, it is, yeah. You can see there's played that aging. You, you can only keep an aging team for so long. I mean, you've got to introduce young blood. He started with the young fullback that he, he let Kinshawa go, didn't he? So he's brought the young fullback in. He's got Foden. As you say, he's probably looking at Bellingham. Whether he gets Bellingham is another matter. But he's going to have to start introducing players. Older players have got; they're not going to last. They're not going to last at that level and at that that pace. Like what's happened with Liverpool? That's what's happened with us, isn't it? Certain amounts of players we carry players a little bit too long, and now we're in the situation. So you'll probably find he will let players go. He'll have to make a change. And I agree with you on a certain point about Haaland. I don't think Haaland will be there in two or three years. I think he he's a player that he's a player that it, there's a circus with Haaland and he, he as soon as he gets in he, he's ready to be looking for the next challenge in two or three years. So you're gonna they're gonna be thinking about about him, aren't they? But it, don't don't underestimate that they will they've got they've got a job rebuilding. Whereas you look at Arsenal is a young side, so. He's Pep. If, if Pep is going to be successful over the next, you, you said before, you still see them as favourites to win the league. I'm not so sure this year. You know, I, I think, I think they, they've been beaten a few times this season. They're not the Manchester City of old. 
you, you put the run of, you know, like 15, 20 games, whether it's a World Cup season or not. So I think I think he will rebuild. I think that 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 it that is going to be a, a given this season. So I think a few of the players that you mentioned don't go. I don't think De Bruyne will go next season, but I think I don't. He signed a long-term contract, but a 31-32, it's like salad, isn't it? It's mm. where you discuss when does a play. If you give a player a four-year contract and he's thirty-one, when does you know the drop-off become that you're starting to look to replace them? Yeah, I mean, you look at it, don't you? And you think like back in the day, you know. Kenny was playing when he was 36. You know what I mean? But then you get you get other players who once they reach the age of 30, 31, you know, they're not the same player anymore. And I think I think it's like the the structure around them has to be right though, doesn't it? So yeah. City could keep Kevin De Bruyne for another three seasons. And if they've got legs around him in midfield, so so he can still use his magic, you know, without having to do a lot of running. Then City is still going to get the best out of Kevin De Bruyne, right? If they if they don't put legs around him, then you'll find that you know Kevin De Bruyne, you know, in the eyes of some, would 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 then start to get a little bit maybe a stick, saying you know he's not the player he was. But sometimes it's not down to the individual player; it's down to the structure that's around him to get the best out of him. And if you've got if you've got a class player like Liverpool did with Kenny, and they did it with Steven Gerrard to a certain degree before he finished, where, you know, you look after these players. I remember when when Kenny was coming to the end of, end of his career, what Liverpool did was they only let him train a couple of times a week so they could keep him as fresh as possible for the matches. And sometimes as, you know, managers have to do things like that to, to, to get the, the best longevity they can out of, out of the top quality players that they've got, um, you know, so it will be interesting to see how all that develops over the next few years. So what we'll do now is we'll go to Pete and, and Saucy, ask Pete for a, a prediction on on what he thinks the score will be on Saturday morning. I I actually fancy us. I fancy us every match, to be honest. But I think over the last few seasons, the SE had, we've had near misses like the cup game where you know, it's 3-2 and, and, you know, we've lost by the odd goal. I, I just fancy us to do something. I, the only thing that worries me is how, how we respond to having this break and the early kickoff. We, we're, we're noted for, for not starting early kickoffs well, apart from the Arsenal game where we scored four in 15 minutes, but I'll forget about that. But I, I, I just do fancy us. I, I do think that we've got a win in us. And we, would you win up the Etihad as well? Um, so I'm going for two one Liverpool. Tom, again, I, I fancy I fancy us to come away with something, whether it's a draw or whether it's a it's a win. I think we need a win, but I, I agree with Pete. We've had we've had some we we we've had some results there, which you know, like which I've, we haven't had the rubber the green at that ground. And so I think sometimes you do, sometimes you do a win, aren't you? So I, I'm like Pete. I, I, I fancy Liverpool to win, but I, if we, I fancy us to win two one, if we don't win, I think we'll come back. With, I think we'll come back with a point less, but I fancy us to win two one. 
for me, I'm, I'm going for I'm going for a two-two draw. I think City have been vulnerable. They're not as tight as they were at the back. Yo, Liverpool will be boosted by Louis Diaz, hopefully being back in the squad. So that'll give the players a little bit of a lift. It'll also give Jurgen Klopp, you know, an extra card to play if you like. And I just think that that with with the international break, I just think Liverpool will come away with a point. Whether ultimately that will be good enough to you know to get us into the top four at the end of the season, we'll only know when the final ball is kicked. But for me, it'll I'm going for a two-two draw, um, and, and for us to come away with a very hard aim point at the at the empty ad. Now, while we're just talking about Manchester City before we move on, Peter's got a little bit of a feature that we're going to be doing over certain weeks on the podcast. It's called Double Agents. So over to you, Peter, to talk a little bit about that. Thanks, Les. It's just something I always look at when upcoming games. I always think about the players who play for both clubs. Um, and I've had a look through today and there's there's the usual ones that we all know straight off the top of our heads. There's the Robbie Fowlers, uh, obviously the James Milner, who's, who's still playing for us now. But there were a couple of, not obscure ones, but maybe some of our younger listeners won't, won't understand. Um, Matt Busby played for both Liverpool and Manchester City. And then he went on to actually manage probably our greatest rivals, both teams' greatest rivals in Manchester United. Um I know there was a story that Matt was offered the manager manager's uh, role, I think, at Liverpool when he was coming to the end of his playing days, but I think he'd already, already made a promise. Um, probably one of the, the players at the time who I thought on his, get, on his day was the best English forward was Daniel Sturridge when he was in a red shirt. I thought he was a brilliant footballer. Unfortunately, he was susceptible to too many injuries, <clears throat> but I thought at the time, he was the best English striker in the game when he had his red, our red shirt on. And then there's a couple more. I mean, Peter Beardsley, I didn't realise, had actually gone to Manchester City on loan towards the end of his career. And also Albert Riera, our Spanish winger. He was at City for a time. Um, Nigel Clough was there. Raheem Sterling, we all know about. And uh, our favourite, Mario Balotelli, who... Uh, Probably didn't pull up any trees at Anfield, but he he was in the champ, you know, the, the Premier League winning side, and he set the goal up for Aguero when they, they won the league against QPR. So it is quite interesting to see some of the players that have played for both teams, and I'll I'll have a look at Chelsea and Arsenal coming up as well. There's, there's players there that uh, have played for both colours, you know. And I think Daniel Sturridge will be getting the mention again. Yeah, uh, because he played for Chelsea as well. <laughs> you so will. yeah. Really interesting slot there, Peter. Thanks very much. Following following City, Liverpool play um, away at Chelsea and then home to Arsenal. So, just going to ask you, lads, before we move on to our next topic, how many points do you think we will get from those games? And how many points are sort of a minimum requirement, if you like, if we're to keep our top four hopes alive when, you know, the final whistle blows on the weekend of the Arsenal game. And I think probably ours is the last game of that weekend because it's the Sunday. So when the final whistle blows at Anfield at the end of the Arsenal game, how many points do you think we'll have from the three games and what do you think is the minimum requirements? So we'll go to you, Tom. Les, I think seven points I think Liverpool will get. 
I think it'd be, it'd be hard to get nine from them three from them, them three games. And I think anything below seven would would be a bit of a you know like a bit of a blow to our chase for the fourth place. Um, but I, I fancy us to get seven to be honest, Les. I, I fancy us. I fancy us to get something at City. <coughs> Excuse me. But I fancy I fancy us to get a draw at Chelsea. We don't tend to. We don't tend to. They're a, they're a funny side, Chelsea, when they play Liverpool. And I fancy, I, I fancy Liverpool to beat Arsenal as well. So I think seven points we'll end up with. I, I would love nine, but can't see it, to be honest. And what's yeah, your what's the minimum required, Tommy, you think? Don't oh, keep us in the four fights. I think I think seven would be would would be acceptable, Les. But I think if you got nine, would be fantastic. But I think it's a massive act to ask, isn't it? Even with the players we've got coming back, you know, with the with the midfield issues, I think we got seven. I think I really do believe that'd be enough to take us to fourth place. You know, Pete, what do you think, mate? Yeah, I was thinking seven, but in a slightly different way. I fancy us at City. And I fancy us at Chelsea, but I think Arsenal, the way Arsenal play, and I can see them at least nicking a point at our place. Um, I think the bare minimum would probably be six, to be honest, as of the three games. Um, I think um, Chelsea are still in Europe, aren't they? They've got, is it Real yeah. Madrid? So they, they may have one or both eyes on, on Madrid coming up. Um, so I fancy us down at the bridge, to be honest. I fancy us to get three there. So it's going to be a massive week, you know, finishing off with the Arsenal game. But I think the way Arsenal have been playing this season, I can see them possibly nicking the points at Anfield. Yeah, for me, I think I think we'll get. I hope I'm wrong. I think we'll get five points. Uh, <coughs> I think we'll continue our good home form by beating Arsenal, and I think we'll get draws of both Manchester City and Chelsea. But I would rather win one of those two games and lose one than draw the two because I do think that, in my opinion, six points is the minimum required to keep our top four hopes alive. Five would make it probably maybe just about acceptable, uh, but anything less than that, and I think we'd be we'd be in real trouble of. You know, not qualifying for the Champions League if we get anything less than five. But I think five could be really pushing our luck. But I think if we win two, if we win two of the three, you know, you'd have to say from the from the, the three games that we've got next week, you would think that would be a really acceptable total from three difficult games. So we'll move on and the, the next subject and probably the last thing we're going to talk about today due to the, the time that's left on the podcast, the, the major breaking news uh, during the international break, which broke last Friday, was that the Premier League have, have charged Everton with breaking financial fair play rules, if, if you want to talk about it in plain English. I think it come a bit of a shock to everybody when it was announced. What I'd like to ask, I think I'll go to to you first, Tom, on this one. What what did you what what was your first feelings when you heard that news that Everton had been charged? How long do you think the process will take? And what do you think the outcome could be? 
Oh, it's it's a hard one, that Les, isn't it? I didn't, to be honest. I thought they got over it. You know when they said they they'd worked with them, they'd worked with the league, the Premier League, and everybody was happy. I knew that Burnley and and Leeds had made a complaint. I didn't, I didn't in my wildest dreams think that they'd be charged. But um, I was shocked really. And you know, I think. I think I think with what's going on in, in, in with Manchester City, I, I suppose we shouldn't be surprised at anything really. Now, what what do I think will happen? I think I I think they will probably I I, I think they'll probably get a fine. I hope they don't get points docked because I think it'd be a terrible way to, to go down. I know most Liverpoolians will be listening to this and, and, and calling for joy about it. They did get the points docked, but I think it, it it's it's harsh, isn't it? You know, like they've been badly they've been badly run Everton for, for many years. Nobody would, would disagree with that. I think even Moyes, when Moyes was there, you know, they were always struggling to buy Wendy because they didn't have any money. And then I think getting involved with Usanov, and I, I think Mishiri, I don't think Mishiri comes across as as the great as the greatest person to run a football club. But to to be honest, I, I hope they don't get points docked. I really do. How long do I think it'll take? I think it'll be quicker than the Manchester City thing, Les. I think you think it might be. You they probably have a result within a month. Because it's a judicial, it's a judicial panel, this independent judicial panel looking at it, isn't it? And I, I, I don't know if there's a right to appeal to a judicial panel, um, but it's usually they, they give them fourteen days, and and then it's all sorted out, isn't it? Usually, once they announce what they're going to do, I think with the Manchester City thing, it's a it's a bit different because there's a hundred and twenty odd charges, I think so. I think that's going to take a bit longer. But mm. I hope I, I I hope they don't get rele- relegated, especially by by that big big be, be, be crueler. Tom, just to just to come back on you there, there is an appeal process. Yeah. Um, I think it'll be very difficult to get everything done, so the punishment is done by the end of end of the season. So it affects them this season. The way the appeal process works is that. This three-man panel sort of listens to the evidence, comes to a verdict, and then if either the Premier League or Everton aren't, you know, happy with the verdict, then they can appeal, and then another three-man panel is then convened to hear the appeal, and then once that three-man panel then delivers its verdict, then that's the end of the line. There's nowhere else they can go. They can't go to court. They can't go to the arbitration of sports. Once the appeal is heard, then the, the findings of that three-man committee, if you want to call them that, is then the final decision and everybody has to abide by what they say. So, I thought it was different, Les, to the... I thought no, it was different to the City one. No, it's exactly the same, except Manchester City, I think, are facing 114 charges. And Manchester City are basically, are basically off the same. And Manchester City's will take a real long time because of the the amount of charges that are that are against them. Everton should be a lot quicker because it's only it's only one charge. So it should be it should be a lot quicker to to sort of 
get all the evidence together and get that one heard. I still doubt it will be done by the end of the season. So what will happen? I mean, the other problem is, is that last season, I believe that both Leeds and Burnley complained to the Premier League regarding Everton's sort of financial situation. But this season, you know, there's there's any any three or probably eight or nine teams could could probably go down. So there's a lot of there's a lot of other teams there sort of you know thinking you know we have a bad run this could be us. So there's a lot of people other teams I think that are probably putting pressure on the Premier League to to be able to get this get this resolved. Now whether they're also putting pressure on them to get it resolved before the end of this season, who knows. But you know that that's the that's the way I see it, Pete. What you what what's your view? I get a feeling that it's going to be <clears throat> it's going to be the end of the season before any any decisions made. And I think what might happen is the start of next season will be a points deduction. So if Everton if if Everton were to be relegated without anything like that happening this season, you could you could conceivably start next season in the Championship with a, a minus figure. I mean, you look at other clubs it's happened to, it's, you know, Everton are, you know, one of the founder members, etc. But you look at what happened to Juventus in Italy and what's happened to Rangers in Scotland just for two. And they were demoted. I, I don't know the circumstances about the uh, Mr. Beaners that he carried out. So I don't think Everton are big enough to get away with it, should I say. Um if that's the right terminology, but I think it's going to go on to, like yourself, the end of the season. <clears throat> I think it could start next season with a points deduction. It'd be an Tom. awful way to go if they introduced it now and mm. and the last game of the season, you know, they, they beat, I think they've got Bournemouth at home. They beat Bournemouth to sneak up by two points and then they get deducted half a dozen and go down anyway. It'd be a terrible way to go. Mm. Tom, just come back to you a sec. Yes. The, um, that the Premier League are using Everton a bit like sacrificial lamb, so to speak, because of this, you know, review that's underway with the government about, you know, self-governance and the Premier League are basically wanting to show the teeth a little bit. And unfortunately, you know, for Everton, they're the ones who are in the firing line. It could have been any club, you know, that were in, you know, the bottom half of the league, let us say, and not, not the big six. But the Premier League are just sort of trying to flex the muscles a little bit to say, look, we can self-govern ourselves. We don't need any regulation from an independent party. And that's why they're doing it, because you know the, the Premier League were, at, were, were in front of the government, weren't they, the other day? And you know, and is it just a coincidence that they haven't been charged on the, on the Friday before that happened? After you quite rightly said before that you were under the impression that everything had been sorted with the, um, you know, when they said they were, the Premier League were having to, you know, in regular contact with everything about, you know, the financial situation. I think I think I think you're right, Les. I think I think when you when you look at at, at that at the way the football is governed at the moment, I think. I always think we were talking this about this the other day about sponsorship, and you wonder where the sponsors are now looking at things and saying, "Well, you know, we're not going to be sponsoring as much in the Premier League because 
it's it's not as white as it claims to be. Do you know what I mean? It mm. the, the, it's not as straight as it is. So I think once once you get sponsors starting to to lose face, they've got to do something, haven't they? And I think the government the govern the governments want to regulate football clubs. And I really do believe that because of of the fan that the fan it, what what did they the inquiry that they had the fan inquiry when the the Super League was was out I think they were looking at at everything so the Premier League to make themselves relevant have had to do something and I think what Pete I think what Peter said there was a great point I think you know Everton are not big enough really. To be, you know, like they, they, they're quite what's it called to be sacrificed. Whereas Manchester City are going to get all the lawyers in the world, and everybody knows they're not. Nothing's going to really happen to them. They might get, they might get, they, they might get punished or monetary, but they're not going to get it. Whereas what they could do to Everton. I'd be cruel, wouldn't they? So they'd be seen as the example if you if you look at it like that. It's happened. It's happened to other big teams, though. Tom, as I say, I mentioned Juventus. Yeah, I remember. And Glasgow, I mean, you can't get much bigger than either Celtic or Glasgow Rangers, and Glasgow Rangers got demoted. Yeah. As I say, I don't know what the misdemeanors were. I don't know if it was down to money or irregularities or whatever. But yeah, but it's very uh, unusual for the Premier League, isn't it, Peter? Yeah. You know, yeah. The point I was making is. You know, this this sort of independent regulator that's gonna well that's being proposed by the government to come in, the Premier League are resisting that because because the Premier League want to continue to be self-regulated. So I just wondered whether they're sort of flexing the muscles with Everton and just saying, look, you know, if people do step out of hand or clubs do step out of hand. You know, we're big enough and strong enough to be able to handle it. And I just wonder whether Everton will be unfortunately for them, would be the test case and they would say, right, this this is the punishment that we're going to hand out, X, Y, or Z. And then that punishment is, is handed out. And then that there is a, then a deterrent for everybody. And the Premier League turn around and say, look, well, you know, we did this to Everton. You know, we've still got the Manchester City, um, you know, case to finish off and, and hear about. So, you know what I mean? So if if they do that, then God knows, you know, where it will lead if 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 nothing nothing comes of it. Yeah. I mean, further down the pyramid, they have punished teams, haven't they? I remember <clears throat> I think Birmingham comes to mind where they got, got docked a few points and Chelsea had a transfer embargo for a while, didn't they? So they may do that as well. They may put an embargo on them, but they can't buy or even possibly sell players. So, you know, it's, it, it could get really messy. It could be one of these things where someone who, who goes to course and they find the max amount of money and they're not, you know, they haven't even got a job to pay it. How do, how, how do you get by that? Mm-hmm. Maybe, find, maybe, maybe finding the money isn't the answer. Maybe they can only do it by putting another deterrent, such as a points deduction or, um, you know, a, a transfer embargo. Mm-hmm. I think when you were talking about Juventus piece, they were done for corruption, weren't they? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I don't is, know what the yeah, I think they were. They, theirs, theirs was slightly different. Evidence yeah, yeah. is 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 for breaking the financial fair play. 
Yeah, you well, think Rangers, like, Rangers was a monetary thing. I think that was, was and, and Derby County was another one. They went bankrupt, yeah. didn't they? And then yeah. they they ended up going. But I think they, these are breaking the laws of the game and the spirit of the game. But for financial fair play rules, you, clubs have got away with bending the rules for financial fair play for years. I mean, it's interesting, yeah. Les, what you were saying that John Henry was saying the other week. Financial fair play has got to come back. So, you know, maybe maybe the Premier League's looking at this as a way of balancing and, and sort of pulling teams back in from overspending. You, you, you know, who knows? But yeah. I think I, I just think it's I just think whichever club would have been in Everton's position and would have been charged are in a really sort of unfortunate position, really, because of the the independence, you know, review that went on, the fan-led review that, that that's come up with the, an independent regulator and the Premier League are trying to, to force it back. And ultimately, because of that, whether it, be, it would have been Everton or another club, you know, outside the big six, the Premier League are just trying to flex to flex the muscles. And mm-hmm. I think, unfortunately for Everton, they've been the ones who... <laughs> Who have been in the in the sights of the Premier League and they've pulled the plug and pulled the trigger just before they went to visit and had that meeting with the government select committee and had to you know answer questions from Tracy Crouch. So you know, I mean, if if I was if I was an Evertonian, which I'm glad I'm not, by the way, I, um, <laughs> you know, I would be I would be slightly worried about where this could lead, not because they've done a massive amount wrong, maybe, in terms of, as you said, Tom, it's just basically financial in them, sort of going over the, the 105 million a year sort of cumulative debt or loss, if you want to call it that. It's because this sort of independence review and the independent regulator would be worrying me because of, you know, are, are they looking for an example to say, look, we've done this, now we don't need to self-regulate. The government's agree, the Premier League get what they want, and then they can merrily go on down their own little road with their own little rules. But Everton have been a casualty along the way, and they think, well, you know, that was, they were a casualty worth having, because now we've got what we wanted. Um, to, to continue self-regulating. And that's what would worry me if it was my club that had been charged in this situation. Seems harsh, that though, doesn't it, Les? It really, it really it, does. It, it, you know, it, it, like, what a harsh. way. You know, like, what a way for, for overspend, as you said, overspending the 105 on a season. You know, it seems it really hard. And I, I, I wonder, you know, where Leeds and Burnley who, who, who set out on this when they and you made a good point before the teams who were in the because the relegation battle if you look at the relegation battle going right up to the top isn't it so as this there could be four or five teams who were saying you know like we'll, we'll put a bit of pressure on as you said I think I think more like eight or nine Tom yeah because about, about three or four points between eight and nine teams yeah so all of a sudden they're all looking they're all looking really vulnerable. You know what I mean? And any of them, 
any of them go on a bad run or get a bit of bad luck, any of them could ultimately he'll fall through the trap door. So you just wonder whether those clubs have sort of got together and thought, right, you know, we need to all start putting the pressure on the stick together, put pressure on the Premier League because Everton, you know, they, they, scraped, they scraped by last year. The Premier League wouldn't do anything. And now, you know, they're in they're in the same situation again. And you know, and again, you know, we all need to put pressure on now so the Premier League can't avoid the issue. And then plus the fact, you know, that the you know, as I say, they don't want to be regulated. The Premier League this time have have decided to to point the finger at Everton and and and, and hit them with a an alleged charge of breaking financial fair play rules. So it is going to be interesting over the next few weeks, months to see if this is resolved by the end of the season or whether, as you said, Tom, it could rumble on into next season. Anyway, we'll call that a night here. I hope you've enjoyed the, the first ever pod by the LFC Red Poets. We'll be back to discuss the Manchester City game early next week with the post-match pod. Um, We'll see all you Reds then. Bye for now.